So today we're going to be coming out of a series that I've been doing uh, called Invest. Um, as believers in Christ, I want you to think about that song that we just sang. Um, we have the hope of salvation. We have the Spirit of God. And no time in our, my lifetime at least, is our nation more needed to see the move of God in. And so if you have your Bibles, look at First Thessalonians chapter 5. Um, tonight, or today, the message is going to be um, looking at being the light. Matthew 5.16 says this, So let your light shine before men that they may see your good works, glorify your Father in heaven. And I want you to think about the life of Paul. When he had conversion, his life totally and dramatically changed. He went from being a persecutor of the church, and then he changed to be the carrier of the gospel to the Gentiles. Everything he did with his life was for the purpose of anchoring the gospel into Gentile areas and planning and establishing churches. I want you to think about your personal walk with the Lord right now. Are you allowing the light of Christ to shine through your life? Um, look what he says here in chapter 4, starting in verse 13. He's speaking on death here, but this is applicable to every area of our life. He says, but we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, about those who are asleep, so those that have passed away, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. The thing for us as believers in Christ is that we have the hope of salvation. We have the Spirit of God in our lives. So in the midst of this pandemic, in the midst of what is going on in our nation, we as Christians need to be bright lights of the gospel where we are. A point of illustration would be this. A couple of months ago, um, it was probably about six months ago, actually, um, Caleb and I, we were hunting, and the, the ladies, Tracy and Chaney, they were riding horses. And so Chaney, I want you to note this, was riding a horse called Lightning. Um, okay, so um, they went on a little trail ride. I'm off hunting. Caleb and I had a successful hunt. He killed his first deer, um, and it was awesome. But when I get back, they had a story to tell. Um, Chaney was riding lightning. They were doing a little nice, easy trail ride. Many of you have ridden horses. She loves horses. Um, hadn't ridden them a whole lot at this point, but uh, she was riding lightning. And lightning was just going about, and Tracy was sitting there talking to the other two people with them, and they were just having one of those nice little trail rides. And it's kind of like before, you know, our, our 2020 experience. Maybe you were just having a nice little trail ride. Um, well, as they approached where the house was and the barn, if you've ever heard of a horse barn breaking, um, we didn't know that, that term because I don't ride horses. I don't have a horse. And so um, Chaney was riding lightning, and, uh, and so we got close to where the house and barn was, and lightning put his name into action. <laughs> he, he just took off. And little 45-pound Cheney was just holding on. And uh, the people behind them that actually knew what was going on, they said, pull back on the reins, pull back on the reins. And Cheney had no clue. You know, later on, ran all the way into the barn. And you ask Cheney about it now, she said, I don't know why they were scared. I was just hanging on, you know. And so maybe that's your life experience right now. Maybe you are just hanging on to life. And here, when, when you think about what Paul is trying to communicate to the Thessalonica church is this, we don't experience life as those that don't have any hope. We have the power of Christ residing in us. And in the midst of darkness, God has called us to be the light 
that when people see us, they see us encountering the circumstances of life, whether it's death, the circumstances of life, whether it's a pandemic, the circumstances of life, if it's civil unrest, all of these things differently because of who Jesus is. And so today, as you um, look at chapter five, here Paul is, is closing out this book. And I just encourage you, if you, um, if you will, just dive into this book because First Thessal- Thessalonians speaks to a believer of what we as believers are called to do to come alongside of people and encourage them. But he closes out this book with just very practical applications as believers in Christ, how we can display Christ in many different situations. And so first, look what he says in verse 12. He says, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you, who are over you in the Lord, a position of authority, and admonish you. So the very first point is this, respect those that are doing the work of ministry and seek to learn from them. A couple of things that the primary thought there is respect. And then also the secondary thought is admonish you. It's easy for us often to have respect for people and love people that are just telling us what we want to hear but that word admonish means to correct. Are you and am I just representing to this world Christ when we get admonished or we get corrected? Are we showing who Jesus is in those midst? For some of us, we, it's easy for us, and that's a very small few, to hear correction and to receive it and put it into application. But a lot of us, we, we buck up to it and we resist it and we talk down to the person and authority. So in your life, again, the first point is respect those that are doing the work of ministry, those that are in a positions of authority over you and the Lord, and seek to learn from them. Look what he continues to say here in verse 13. He says, and to esteem them very highly in love because, they, uh, because of their work. Point number two is value those that are living out faith. That word esteem means to value. And you, you can write this down, what we value, we often emulate in people. Um, I remember when I ended up getting saved, it was in between my eighth grade and ninth grade year, um, I, all of my running buddies, they were just lost. Um, they, and many of you probably have a similar testimony of that, that everybody that you connected with, that you had surround yourself with, um, there was no bright lights of the gospel, and that was me. If, if you're watching and you're one of those guys, you know the truth. And so... Um, but when I got saved, God planted some godly guys around me. It was Josh and Jason Dormany. If you know them, when they were in high school and middle school, when they had come to faith, their lives were totally transformed for the gospel, and they were the same person at church as they were in the world. And I encourage you that when you are living out the faith, that you look for those people. Uh, because here's the point. In Proverbs 13, 20, it says this. Whoever walks with the wise will become wise, but the companion of the fool will suffer harm. That is a verse, if you have teenagers, I would post that in their room, that they have to read it before they can leave the house every single day. But the truth is, that's for us as well, as adults. Um, The the people that we surround ourselves, the people that we truly look to and and value in their life, we, we often emulate their actions and their activities. And if it's around godly people, we will become more godly as a result because we see Christ in them and their pursuit. So I want you to write this down. We can position ourselves for blessing or harm simply by who we choose to surround ourselves with. We can position ourselves with blessing or harm 
simply by who we choose to be surrounded by. You think about the disciples. I mean, obviously, they had Jesus, (laughs) but their lives were blessed as a result of being around those people. Continuing in verse 13, he says, be at peace among yourselves. If you underline, I just encourage you to underline that. Be at peace or at peace among yourselves, meaning the church. Point number three is this. Live at peace and strive for unity with others. Live at peace. You think about in your life right now, are you known to be a person that cultivates an environment of peace or cultivates an environment of strife? People look at you and you just, you go and talk to someone that that you're close to and say, man, it feels like every environment I go into is just very harsh and strifeful. (laughs) Then there's one common denominator in that. When people see you show up, are you a peacemaker? Are you bringing peace into that environment? This is a a quote from Stephen Kendrick. He spoke it um, years ago to, uh, to a group like this, but he says, be hard to offend and quick to forgive. I've said that multiple times and thought about it multiple times in my life, that you are, you are hard to offend and quick to forgive people. In your life, is that something that you have embodied in yourself? And when we think about who Jesus is, man, he is a peacemaker. He brings peace in those environments. It creates harmony. And again, it's in the church. In Acts chapter 2, it speaks on this. Paul Um, uh, sorry, Luke, when he was writing this, was talking about the New Testament church, and it says, and day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those that are being saved. I want you to think about this church, your connect group, The environments that you call Christian environments, are people drawn to that because of the harmony that is flowing out of that? This is, in our nation's history, such a time for the church to have harmony taking place, things that are going on inside of it that this lost world does not see outside of its walls. And they should be naturally drawn to this. And you know the key key deciding element that makes that happen is the person sitting in your seat and the person standing in my shoes, that we as Christians are reflecting the character of Christ. We as Christians are living in harmony with each other. We as Christians are resembling Christ and this lost world are drawn to it, attracted to it. Look what he continues to say here in verse 14. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idol. Again, that that word admonish means to to correct, the idol is referring to spiritually lazy people or unruly people. And and the point is here, confront and love the spiritually lazy and rebellious. Confront and love the spiritually lazy and rebellious. Um, I don't know if you have children, um, but (laughs) I do. I have two of them. And at times they are both of these things, lazy and maybe rebellious at times. And uh, to just to be transparent, I am lazy and rebellious at times as well. That the point of correcting those things or admonishing those things is for the purpose of correcting the action. If you've ever had a parent in your life, which all of you have, <laughs> um, the purpose of correction should never be for the purpose of creating pain in that person's life or the gratification of the person bringing discipline. It should always be for the correction of the action. 
in your life right now are there people that are spiritually lazy? You know the term of 80-20 where 20% of the church or 20% of the, the faithful, whether it's inside the four walls of the church or outside in community, are doing 80% of the work. We as the church should look at the people that are spiritually lazy, not discipling, not witnessing, not living for the purpose of Christ. And we should lovingly come alongside of them and admonish them, correct them, and encourage them to walk in the likeness of Christ. If it is the unruly, and all of us have have been there, um, you have been the unruly person, I have been the unruly person, and then there have been times where maybe you have seen the unruly person. Um, We often, we will not do anything to, to correct it or admonish it, but we will talk about it. You ever seen somebody that, um, that has put another person on blast in communication to say, you know what, I can't believe Garrett did that thing again. And Garrett is just wandering off from the Lord. If God has revealed that to you and to me, it's for the purpose of bringing that to that person's attention if they're a believer in Christ and asking the Lord to correct that action. Look what he says here in verse 14. He says, encourage the faint-hearted and help the weak. Point number five is this, minister to the discouraged and the spiritually weak. Um, when you think about that as a biblical illustration would be the Good Samaritan. We, we know Jesus telling this to the Pharisees and he was saying that this, this man was in the ditch and the Good Samaritan was the one that not only saw the issue, but he did something about it. Um, a couple of years back, actually it was about a decade ago now, but Tracy and I, um, had just gotten into the exercise category of people in, in life. And uh, you can tell um, it's still maybe going a little bit, but not going great. <laughs> All right, so um, we, Tracy, we used to run maybe three or four days a week, and we'd do maybe three miles, and, um, and Tracy called me up on a Thursday. We have a thing here in our community called the Snickers Marathon. And uh, on Thursday, I'm at work. I'm probably eating a donut at this point, and Tracy calls me and says, hey, I'm headed downtown. And I said, oh, that's, that's great, interesting news. And she said, I'm signing, signing us up for the Snickers Marathon. And I said, why are you doing that? <laughs> she said, oh, it's just the half marathon, 13 miles, it'd be fun. And uh, if you've ever done any of those things, I would not entitle it fun. Um, but that day I went, I bought my outfit, because you, if you can't do what you're about to do, you better look the part. And so <laughs> I bought the outfit, we showed up that, that next morning, got on the starting line, there were hundreds of people around us. And uh, as I looked around, I thought, oh, I can definitely do this with some of these. But then they just got on it. And so I remember starting the race And we started at the Civic Center, if you know anything about Albany, the Civic Center. And when we got to the YMCA, I knew that this was gonna be a long day. (laughs) And we weren't even halfway through. When we hit mile nine, it felt like I hit a brick wall. And uh, you have these people that are standing on the side of the road and they're clapping and cheering for you. Keep going, it's great. They got a cup of coffee in their hand, eating a donut. It's awesome, keep going. And uh, then you have the people, other people just around you that are, that are running. And, and it's amazing how far you can push yourself when you have the voice of encouragement on the outside and you have the example running with you. Here's the thing in our lives. 
we have the opportunity to be the voice of encouragement. Continue to run the race well. Continue to go. And as you're cheering them on, you also are running beside them. In your life right now, are you doing that for other people? Again, we can all be in the position of the out-of-control horse running towards the barn, and that's life. Guys, we are only here for a brief season of time, and what we do with the Lord is what is truly going to matter and how we invest in other people. Look what he says here in verse uh, 14. It says, be patient, which means long-suffering with them all. Point number six is this, be patient with everyone. Be patient with everyone. That means every person in your life. It's easy to be patient with the people that you just, you endear, you love. But those people that are in your life that are the heavenly sandpaper, showing patience because every characteristic, everything, whether it's admonishing people, showing um, uh, encouragement or patience, all of this is the supernatural. What the Spirit of God equips you to do that is above and beyond. And so in your life right now, are you displaying patience? One of the questions that should just ring out in your heart and mind when I was studying this, it did mine. How patient has God been with you? You know, in our lives, everything that we should display that is beyond natural characteristics, it should be the example of Jesus for us that is our example. How patient has God been with you? Show patience with all of them. Look what he says in verse 15. He says this, See that no one repays anyone evil for evil. So the seventh way that we can be the light of the gospel is this. Respond biblically when someone wrongs you. In your life, in your heart right now, are you doing that? There, there are people categorized in this room, I know, um, that you can be a quick-tempered hothead maybe. Um, others of you, you are just long-suffering and patient. Um, you see that actually in parenting. If you're dealing with patience um, or if you're dealing with responding biblically in different situations, just have some kids and the Lord will show you what that actually looks like. But in Scripture, here are the ways that we can do this. Respond biblically as someone when someone wrongs you. The first thing is this, show grace. In, in your life, with people, understand this, everyone that is breathing is gonna let you down at some point. And so you should naturally be a person of grace. You want God to show and display grace to you, you should naturally show and um, reflect grace towards other people. And so not every situation needs you to confront it with hostility and to deal with it just all the way down. Sometimes you just need to understand, hey, I'm, I'm gonna show grace because I need grace. The second is this, confront personally. When you think about in life, not only if it's an issue that, that you, are, you need to deal with, don't go to 20 other people and talk about the issue. Go to that person and confront it biblically and responsibly, personally. And then the last is this, forgive completely. And when you deal with that thing and you walk away from that, regardless, because you are only responsible for your side of the issue, and if you can stand before the Lord and say, I dealt with this conflict responsibly, biblically, then you can walk away from that and say, I forgive all things. Because what did Jesus do for you? And he, 
He removed all of your sin, past, present, and future. He forgave you completely. Look what he says, continuing here. He says, but always seek to do good for one another, meaning the church, and to everyone. To everyone. Point number eight is this. Look to do the right thing in all circumstances. In every situation, in every issue, make sure that you are working to do the right thing. I wrote this down. As Christians, we're not called to do good just when it's easy or convenient or in our best interest, but in every situation because it points to the good God. You think about that. As Christians, we're not called to do good just when it's easy or convenient or in our best interest, but in every situation because it points to our good God. When you walk away from someone, they shouldn't just be esteeming your name. They should be asking the question, man, why is this person different and distinct? And we should be the one there with the answer to say, you know what, it's not me. It's actually the person of Jesus Christ that has redeemed my soul. Look what he says here in verse 16. He says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God and Christ Jesus for you. I know for me, I've been doing student ministry for a lot of years, and one of the common questions is this, you know, what is the will of God? And what Paul just did for the Thessalonica church is he pinned it out, always rejoice, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you. What are you currently chasing after that you are assuming this is the will of God? Often we attach that to some um, material possession in this world, but are you chasing rejoicing always? Are you chasing prayer without ceasing? Are you chasing giving thanks in all situations because this is his will? Point number nine is this, continually foster your relationship with the Lord. Continually foster your relationship with the Lord. The way that we are gonna do this, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in every situation and circumstance is that we embed ourselves as believers in Christ in the, the word of God, yielded to the spirit of God, and appropriating ourselves in the mission of God. If we are doing all of those things, man, we are gonna have his mind. You, you think about in your life right now, are you doing those things? If any of those elements are missing, then, then you are and I am not walking in who God designed and called me to be. The last one is this. Look what he says in verse 19. He says, don't quench the spirit. Don't despise prophecy, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Point number 10 is this. Walk in step with the spirit daily. Don't quench the spirit. How many times has God told you to do something or not do something and you just didn't listen you just press forward. What you understand is this, sin is never in isolation. Um, everything that we ever do, and there have been times that the enemy tries to convince us, hey, this is for your best interest. And how many times has that let you down and led you into deeper sin? But then also, how many times have you listened to the enemy and, and even your flesh and you went headlong into sin and you thought the only person that this is hurting is me? Truth is, it's not. 
people around you are left in the wake of disaster as well. And hear what he says, don't quench the spirit, don't despise prophecy, his word. And it says, test everything, that means with scripture. Hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. If you and I say that there is this little sin, this little thing of rebellion, and I'm just gonna let it exist in my life, but everything else I'm going to rid myself of, what this thing does is it grows like kudzu in our lives and spreads throughout our life. And it's gonna make itself manifest. And I love this last portion, and this is where Paul is, is landing the plane with this first letter. And he says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you, set you apart completely, and that you may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord. He who has called you is faithful, and he will surely do it. What I will say is this, church family, God has called us to be distinct. God has called us to be the light of the gospel. Don't be like we can be on an out of control horse again, pointing back to the illustration of Cheney. And just go through life and, and people are yelling at you that, are, that know what's going on and you just ignore their voice and you continue just to be led in God by the heat of the moment. And trust God for who he desires to be in your life and my life and let us be the light of the gospel. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you're just like every other person in this world that, man, because of the chaos of the moment, you feel totally out of control. If you're here and you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm encouraging you, you don't have to stay in that current condition. That Jesus is your provision. That God gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. I'm asking you to do this. Don't walk out of this room or from this building without nailing that decision down. Outside in our, in our atrium, there's a next step desk and we would love to meet you there and we'd love to talk to you and tell you how you can have a personal relationship with Jesus. Or maybe you're here today and you say, man, I, I have a relationship with Christ but I'm in current rebellion in some area, and I'd love to talk to a pastor. Also there is our next step. And for the rest of us believers in Christ, think about this, Matthew 5, 16. So let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, God, for the fact that we as believers we don't walk through situations and circumstances without hope. God, you have written the story. God, you are sovereignly in control. Father, help us as believers in Christ yield ourselves fully to the Spirit of God. Help us to to know the times and opportunities to point people to you, God. Father, I pray that we would trust you, lean in on you, and allow your spirit to make himself known in and through our lives. And Father, if there's any person here today that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, God, draw them to you. Help them not live another day without knowing you as Savior and having the hope not only for this life,
but also for eternity. God, we love you. God, we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.